the end of the school year came and I received my results in the final exams. Life couldn't get better, could it? I finished in the number three spot in my class of about 30 students. My parents were ecstatic. Goat curry and rice were my prize. And the summer of 1962 was upon us. My sister and I went to every movie where we were allowed to go to because the entrance fee was free. I even sat through Vincent Price's movie, The House of Wax. It was terrifying, but I brought a book along with me so I could hold it up to my face when the scenes became unbearable. I went alone. My sister couldn't understand my logic of going to a movie where I would spend half the time hidden behind a book. My logic was, it was free. It didn't cost me anything. My sister was probably right, though. She was probably always right. She hardly studied and finished at the top of her class, whereas the third place I managed in Mr. Silver's class was the peak of my educational career. My sister, however, continued to shine. I spent the summer chalking up new inventions, playing the piano, imagining I was giving a concert, conducting in the living room to Egmont Overture by Beethoven, and flying down the road on an improvised go-kart with a friend of mine. I took my father's wooden trouser press, attached my roller skates to it, and both my friend and I would lay on it and hurtle down the steep road that circled my house. There was, however, one problem. The go-kart could not be maneuvered around the bends, so we'd always end up in a deep ditch. We experimented by turning our bodies or loosely fitting the front roller skate so that we could physically turn it. But we always ended up in the ditch. Never any injuries, just some scrapes. The trouser press, however, was destroyed. My dad didn't mind. On my birthday in June, I received a bow and arrow from our servants, who came from a tribe called the Nagas. Very astutely, though, she removed the steel tip, because had she not done so, it is quite possible that she would be dead. You see, I shot her. Not intentionally, I have to say, but it was then that I discovered I was left-handed. It's a long story, and I will get into that in a later episode. But I pulled the bowstring back with my left hand, but took aim at a neighboring tree with my right eye. Tree missed, servant shot. I hit her forehead between the eyes, and besides shocking the hell out of her and a slight trickle of blood, she was still able to make dinner. Also around my birthday, I received a model airplane from my mother's stepsister in California. That was really exciting because it could fly. All you had to do was turn the propeller, which in turn tightened the large rubber band, and then the plane, when released, flew. It was magnificent. I loved that plane.
It was the envy of all my friends. I felt so special. One day my mother watched me wind up the plane and asked why I had only wound it up a hundred times. The booklet says you should wind it up 150 times, she said. I didn't want to wind it up 150 times. 100 times was ample. However, my mother was the parent, and she decided to wipe it up 150 times, and on the final turn of the propeller, the body snapped, and the plane disintegrated. I told you, Mummy, I said to her abruptly, crushed. You can't believe what Americans say. I wonder where I got that from. But my favorite plane lay scattered all over the garden. My mother felt terrible and promised to replace it. Summer was now drawing to a close and school was about to begin again. I was going to be in a Brother McCann's class. I wondered if I would still have to stand in the corner at the beginning of the day. Yep, different classroom, different teacher, but same result. I had returned to my old ways once I had determined that playing their games didn't produce different results for me. No need to be dishonest with myself anymore. St. Edmund's was both a boarding school and had day scholars as well. I was a day scholar. I realized that those in the boarding school had no access to the news or the going-ons in the world and I thought I would address that problem. I saw a need and fulfilled it. Isn't that what an entrepreneur does? Yes, that's right. I started a newspaper. At first I wrote down the headlines on sheets of paper utilizing carbon paper and distributed it to the borders. But it caught on and success came to me. Soon I was writing no access to typewriters, by hand, with the help of carbon paper, dozens of newspapers every evening when I got home. I expanded the enterprise to include jokes, comics, crossword puzzles, and school news, which included the news of an upcoming science fair. I knew what I was going to build for that science fair, a model aeroplane. It would be the biggest and best model aeroplane I had ever built. I was going to win first prize. I was convinced of it. But back to the newspaper for a few minutes. So successful was the venture that I began to charge in order to cover my costs. And I enlisted a couple of my friends to help me collect the money and buy supplies. One day when class had begun, in walked the headmaster and he asked me to stand up. Where's the money, he demanded. Without uttering a word, I looked at my two friends, who then stood up. He asked them to come up front and give him the money, which they did. He then turned to Brother McCann and in a loud voice said, Jews, even at this age, all they can think about is money. He stormed out of the room with my money. I never told my parents about it, and when they saw that I was no longer involved in the project, they asked. My reply? I decided to stop because it was taking up too much of my time. They understood. 
Plus, I have to build this really great aeroplane for the science fair, I added. When the plane was finished, I was extremely proud of it. I had designed it and built it out of balsa wood and covered it with tissue paper that was made taut by spraying it with, my, with water utilizing my parents' atomizer. I painted it, and the day of the science fair, I carried it to school in the lorry, and I couldn't wait to have it entered into the exhibits. I proudly walked up to the front doors of the main building, where two brothers stood guard. But before I got there, I was accosted by an older boy. Who built that? he demanded. I did, I replied proudly. That's impossible, he said, and grabbed the plane out of my hand threw it on the ground, and then proceeded to stomp on it until it was nothing but a piece of junk. I couldn't believe what he had done and looked up pleadingly at the two Irish Catholic brothers who, instead of interceding to stop the destruction, turned around and walked back into the building. Needless to say, I was devastated. And would it surprise you if I told you that to this day I have never built another model airplane? I never told my parents. I never finished that term because in October of 1962, the Chinese invaded India. And my father left with his corps for the front lines, which were only about 20 minutes away by jet. My mother, sister and I stayed behind until it was deemed unsafe for us. And Air Vice Marshal Jaswant Singh laid on a DC-3 for our evacuation.